grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Some years ago, the New York City Transit Company was missing a bus and a driver. For over a week, authorities searched for the man, but couldn't find him anywhere in the city. Finally, ten days later, he was found, and he was in Miami, Florida, bus and driver. The driver later said, you know, I'd had it with the cold weather, the passengers, and my family. So one day after work, I thought, I wonder what would happen if I just took off. And that's what he did. Took a day in Florida, spent a whole week there, enjoyed the sun and surf all by himself. But I bet there were repercussions. <laughs> now, have you ever felt like that? Haven't we all felt like that, that bus driver at times? You might get so tired or so frustrated or aggravated about life that you either want to pull out what remains of your hair or run away. <laughs> Maybe it's your marriage that hasn't gone quite the way you thought it should. That's like the husband who said, some people ask the secret of our long marriage. Here's what we do. We take time to go to a restaurant two times a week. A little candlelight dinner, soft music, and a slow walk home. She goes Tuesdays and I go Fridays. <laughs> yeah, sometimes when a marriage isn't going well or going sour, some husbands and wives, they just want to cash in and run off. It's sad, but it's true. It happens. Well, maybe it's not your marriage, but maybe it's your parenting that's getting you down. Yeah, kids can have that effect sometimes, can't they? One mother said, these children today are nuts. I have a 12-year-old. He's going to be 13 if I let him. <laughs> Maybe you've tried everything you can think of to discipline your child, but nothing seems to work anymore. Or maybe it's your job that's getting you down. Anybody have a job that's ever given them down? I think if we've ever worked at all, we probably have come home grumpy someday. Of course we have. Who hasn't? There's no such thing as a pain-free job. Every job, every occupation has its drawbacks. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, we don't like it, but life is full of pain and it's full of disappointment. We like to think things are going to go a certain way, and ultimately, sometimes we find out that it's not the way we expect it at all. Bills pile up, health fails, marriages crumble, people hurt you or disappoint you, your zip gets zapped right out of you. It seems like people are out to get you, to criticize you. Your job turns out to be a bummer, as do some of the folks around you. And who knows? Maybe you even had time in your lives when you thought about quitting the Christian life. Because you started out with such high hopes of a better life, a, a happier life, a richer life. And maybe you didn't find it exactly how you thought that you would. Maybe it was tougher than you expected. You may have thought all of your problems would go away once you became a Christian, and somehow they didn't. Temptations were stronger than you expected. People were not always as helpful or nice as you thought they should be. And you began to think after some time that, what's the use in coming to church? Why not just do what the rest of the world and culture seems to do on a Saturday evening or a Sunday morning? It might be more fun. My friends, leaving the church is not the answer. So how do we adjust our way of approaching things when things aren't working out like we think they ought to do? Well, on this Transfiguration weekend, 
We need to turn to the truth that we have the power within us to transform our lives. And no, I'm not talking like a new age guru, somebody online that says, yeah, you've got all the power you need within you. Just believe it and it'll happen. No, we know we've got something real. We've got the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Not something that the world offers, but something that God offers. You consider the life of Jesus. You know, he was God, but he chose to become a man. He was king of kings and lord of lords, but he chose to be born in that humble manger. He was sinless, yet he chose to carry the weight of the sins of the entire world. Now, his transformation in all those areas was not for his benefit, was it? No, it was for our benefit. Through his transformation, we are given the opportunity to, to, to rise above our limitations and experience a change in our identity, a change in the way that we perceive things, a change in our outlook on our life. So how do we change our identity? Well, the first answer is pretty straightforward. We accept Christ as our Savior. And in doing so, we start to learn that we are no longer defined by the things that we once thought defined us. We're no longer defined by our past mistakes, our biggest failures, or our shortcomings. Instead, we are defined by Christ's righteousness. We find that we are no longer slaves to sin, but children of God. And my friends, this change in identity is not some superficial label, but it's a deep and profound shift in our understanding of who we are and what we're capable of. Because with our new identity in Christ, we begin to see the world through a different lens. We no longer see ourselves as victims of someone else's circumstance, but as victors in Christ. We no longer see the worldly challenges as obstacles to overcome, but as opportunities for growth. We no longer see others as our competitors, but fellow travelers on the road to eternity. Paul said in Galatians 6, 9, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. You know, the people in this life who seem to do so well are not necessarily the ones that are the most flashy or most talented or the most materially gifted. The people that seem to do well in this life are those that just don't give up. They don't quit doing good, as Paul said. They are dependable. They just keep on keeping on. And the Apostle Paul was that kind of person. Twice in 2 Corinthians, Paul said, we do not lose heart. And my friends, that's what we need. Somehow we need to figure out how to not lose heart in this life. We need to discover Paul's secret. And Paul's secret comes from our epistle lesson today. His secret for not losing heart is given in this section of Scripture in three different ways. The first way is to remember our responsibilities. The second way, we need to realize we've got an enemy and learn to combat that enemy. And we need to develop a resiliency in life. So the first aspect of the Christian life we're going to focus on in this section of Scripture is to remember our responsibility. Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4.1 says, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Paul says, we have this ministry. Let me say it another way. We have a responsibility in this life. 
There was a president of a large healthcare system that told a story about a hospital he once worked in. He said, got a call one day that a patient had knocked over a cup of water. It doesn't seem like too big of a deal, right? But it was spilled on the floor beside his bed, and he called for a nurse and hoped to get it cleaned up. Now, the patient didn't know what he was getting into because this hospital had a, a plan in place that said small spills were the responsibility of the nurse's aides, while larger spills were to be mopped up by the hospital's housekeeping group. Well, the nurse's aide came in and decided this was a large spill, so she called housekeeping. The housekeeper arrived, and she declared the spill to be a small one. You see where I'm going with this? The argument followed. It's not my responsibility. That's too small. It is your responsibility. It's a big spill. Finally, the exasperated patient, listening for a while, said, you know what, I'm going to take care of this. Took the whole pitcher and dumped it on the floor. Said, now you guys can figure this out a little bit quicker, right? Friends, we're all faced with certain responsibilities in life. Some of them are large puddle responsibilities, and some of them are small puddle. Naturally, we usually prefer the small puddle responsibilities, but that's not always the way it works, right? You know, there are so many people in this world that even with the small puddle responsibilities, it seems like they don't want to get into them. They don't, they're either lazy or don't care anymore. They don't want to fulfill their responsibilities. But the Apostle Paul was a man who understood his responsibilities, and he fulfilled his responsibilities in life. He said, we have a ministry, as in, I have this ministry. And in Romans 1, he talks about it a little bit more. He said, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Now, Paul considered his task of preaching the gospel an obligation, but in a good way. It was his responsibility, and it was only he that had been given this task. Friends, we need to be responsible people, because life is not always fun and games. The real test of Christian maturity is to keep going when the fun is done and the games are over. Whether you feel like it or not, you go ahead and do your job anyway. That's what real maturity is about. There's so much talk these days about people getting burned out in whatever case they're talking about, when in reality, it probably is just a, a cop-out to not be responsible, responsible anymore. So Paul had a ministry. He had a job to do, and I'm sure that there were times that he just didn't feel like doing it. Why? Well, because he was human, right? We don't always get a bed, jump out of bed, happy-go-lucky every day, right? So Paul had to have some of those days as well. But he says, remember your responsibility in life. If you want to make it in life, you got to do what needs to be done. So that's the first aspect of Paul's instruction to the Christians in Corinth. The second aspect of their instruction was to combat the enemy. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Paul is reminding his hearers that there is an evil force in this world. Call him Satan, the devil, Beelzebub, whatever name you want to give him. But it is a real force in this world that is out to blind people's minds, to destroy lives, and most of all, keep that separation that you and I have on this earth from our Father above, to keep that separation for all eternity. 
First Peter 5, 8 and 9, Peter says it this way. He says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around you like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Be firm in your faith. You know, if we're going to make it in life, we've got to be alert to the things that are going on around us. We need to be aware that the enemy is there and he is active all the time. You've got to realize that the devil is real and he's out to get you. He's out to abuse you and use you in whatever way he can. Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The devil is absolutely our enemy, and the devil is hard at work every single day, especially in the lives of Christians. We need to combat him. We need to figure out how to put him in his place. Peter said, resist him standing firm in the faith. James says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And then he says the opposite of that, come near to God and he will come near to you. Because when you're fighting big guns, you need to have even bigger guns on your side. Our bigger gun is the Lord himself. Because without the Lord, you won't win against Satan. Satan is bigger and stronger than you are by yourself. But the good news, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. To combat the enemy and keep from losing heart in this life, we need to have the big guns. What are they? They are Bible study. They are prayer. They are worship, just what you're doing now, whether you're here in person, whether you're watching online. They are getting together in Christian fellowship with Christian friends. These are the ways that we receive Christ's strength in this life. So the final stage of Paul's encouragement to Christians is that we need to develop a resiliency. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 and 9, Paul says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. You know, Paul, as a human, he knew about heartaches and headaches, and I'm sure he knew all about stress. But he didn't let those things keep him down. Oh, he may have gotten knocked down from time to time temporarily, but he didn't stay down. He always bounced back. He was resilient. There was a man who had lost his wife to cancer several months earlier. Someone asked him later how he was doing, and he said, you know, I'm lonely, but I'm not alone. That's the spirit. That's the spirit that we need to make truth in this life come to light. Now, I don't know the particulars about that man's life, but I suspect he probably had some children, some friends, some family members who were still there to support him, hopefully a church family as well people that would be helpful to him. And of course, that's one of the main responsibilities that we have as Christians is to support one another as brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You see, God put us here for one another. And that's exactly what we need in order to not lose heart in this life. We need to learn to bounce back. We need to learn to endure. We need to learn to counter folks and we need to be resilient. What is that old saying? When life hands you lemons, make lemonade. 
1852, many California vineyard owners were going bankrupt because of a severe drought. Seems like all the grapes had shriveled up on the vine. Well, one vineyard owner decided to go ahead and pick those shriveled up grapes anyway, took them to market and advertised them as Peruvian delicacies. And we've been eating raisins ever since. <laughs> yeah, everybody's going to experience trouble in this life, but it's what we do with that trouble that makes the difference. Some people are going to hide from trouble. Some people are going to run away from trouble or drive away like the bus driver. But some people are going to run to the Lord. Because, yeah, life doesn't always turn out the way we expect it. But we have to make the best of what we've been given. If we're going to make it in this life, we've got to learn to bounce back from defeat. We've got to turn our defeats into some kind of victory. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, whether you're feeling down, whether you're feeling sad, or whether you're feeling joyful, acknowledge him, seek him, seek his will, seek his path, and he will make those paths straight. Because the truth is we are going to find discouragement in this life. That's because we're human beings living in a fallen world. If anybody told you that being a Christian is going to give you a perfect life, it was a lie. It's not scriptural. It doesn't come from the Bible. We're going to be discouraged. But that discouragement doesn't have to be a controlling factor in our lives. We all get down, but we don't have to stay down. Because the biggest factor for us as Christians in this life is God. Our God will never change. Our God is almighty. He is all-wise. He is all-powerful. He is present everywhere. He's here with us this morning. He's here in our marriages. He's here with us in our parenting, in our jobs and our occupations, and everything else. He is with us when we're down and he's with us when we're up. And more than anything, he is here with a heart of love that covers over everything else. So wherever we are, and no matter what we're experiencing, no matter how deep that pit is that we've dug for ourselves, he is here, and his love and care for us is so special. It cannot be ignored. It cannot be taken away. Jesus is the Son around which our lives must revolve if we're going to keep from losing heart in this life. And when we keep him at the center of our universe, that means keeping our perspective on him, focused on him, listening for his still, small voice, then we can live transformed lives. We can know through all of our experiences, the good and the bad and the ugly, that our trust in him has not been misplaced. So let's go forward from this place with a renewed sense of purpose, a renewed commitment to our journey with Christ. Let's go forward with a spirit of love, of unity, of community. Let's go forth with the spirit of God's truth and his word in our hearts and the love of Christ in our actions towards other folks. And let us go forth with confidence that no matter what we face, good or bad, we can triumph if we have the power of Christ behind us. In Jesus' name, amen.